a typical spiritual resume next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Many of us have put together a resume in an attempt to land a job, and we typically try to put our best foot forward, highlight our best qualities. Today on Abounding Grace, we'll have you think about your spiritual resume. Maybe like the guy we'll meet today, it's not that impressive by the world standards, but be encouraged. God can still very much use you. We join Pastor Ed Taylor in 1 Corinthians 11. Last time we studied the first part of chapter 11, we found what a great place it is to choose the place of the doulos, the bond slave, the bond servant. Remember, there was a ceremony when a slave's time was up with his master or her master, where they could make a choice to either move on or stay with the family. And in that relationship change, if a person chose to remain with the family, the family had just taken so good care of them, they, they had come to love the children and love the environment and love the way that they were treated. And then in that relationship, they now could make a personal decision to serve them the rest of their life. They would become what is known as a doulos. D-O-U-L-O-S is the Greek word. This would be a slave that is in a permanent relation of servitude to another. His will being altogether consumed in the will of the other. And Paul would refer to himself in his relationship with Jesus this way over and over and over again. There was a ceremony. The ceremony would take place on the area of the door and the doorpost of the home, of the master's home. And the servant would put his ear up against the doorpost and they would take an awl or a metal object and they would put it up against the bottom of the earlobe and they would pound into the ear so that there would be a ring permanently attached which would tell everyone by just see, simply seeing that ring that this was a person that had made a personal commitment to be a doulos. And you'll recall, we use that as a picture to remind us that it's very important to be careful who has your ear. Because in the people here in the city of Corinth, and the church in Corinth, had given their ear to false teachers. And the picture is beautiful because although there was an earring put in that doulos ear, when they put their ear up against the doorpost and it was, it was nailed or up against the wall and it was nailed through a hole, a piece of the ear would stay in the post. It would stay in the wall. It would be unseen and to very little people, un, to very few people unknown, but it was, it was a picture of, well, who has your ear? Who are you really connected to? If Jesus has your ear by his spirit, it will be very, very hard for people to come along and lie to you and deceive you. Even as we saw last time, if you remember, in verse 13, he talks about these false apostles. This is 2 Corinthians 11, verse 13. 
He calls them false apostles. He did, no more. He's not going to be messing around anymore. He's going to use exactly what they are. And he's going to label what's happening among these false teachers. He calls them false prophets, deceitful workers. They transform themselves into apostles of Christ. And then he compares them to the devil. He says, no wonder in verse 14. For Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers... It's no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness whose end will be according to their works. The believers in Corinth were beginning to believe these lies. And Paul's writing to them the second, last part of 2 Corinthians in, in a mode where as you're reading through, you go, man, he sounds like he's really defensive. Well, well, he sounds defensive, but he's really on the offense asserting the truth. And it's really unfortunate. You get put on the defense and you're like, you don't want to be defensive. It's just the facts are the facts. And Paul's asserting the truth and he's very uncomfortable. Pick up with me now in verse 16. He says, I say again, let no one think me a fool. If otherwise, at least receive me as a fool that I might also boast a little. What I speak, I speak not according to the Lord, but as it were foolishly in this confidence of boasting. Seeing that many boast according to the flesh, I will also boast. For if you put up with fools gladly, since you yourselves are wise, for you put up with one with it if one brings you into bondage, if one devours you, if one takes from you, if one exalts himself, if one strikes you on the face, to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I speak foolishly, I'm bold also. It's very uncomfortable for him, this section. It's, getting, it's becoming more and more uncomfortable, even to the place where Paul's beginning, as he says in verse 16, you know, please don't think me as a fool. But if you think me as a fool, at least listen to me. At least receive from me. It's pretty foolish for Paul to have to do this. The false teachers were boasting about all they had done, how good they were, and how bad Paul was. And, you know, this should be, as you look, look at notice what they were doing to them. It says in verse 20, you put up with it if one brings you into bondage. That was what? They were bringing them into religious rules and rituals, something that we would call today legalism. They were devouring and taking advantage of them. They were taking literally from the people, not serving them. They were exalting, verse 20, himself. They were lifting themselves up to lord over the people. And they were even striking them on the face in some way to assert their authority. Now, let me just say this before we move on into the rest of the text. It is always a red flag in relationships. It's always a red flag. Always. No exception. When someone opens up by putting someone down. That's always a red flag. You're talking with someone and they just are putting someone down. They're taking advantage of them, saying things, trying to elevate themselves. Well, let me show you what I mean. Turn, hold your places in Corinthians. Turn a little bit over to the right to Ephesians chapter 4. It's never a, never a good thing when you're talking with someone, you're relating with someone, you get an email from someone or whatever way they're communicating and they're putting someone else down. That's a red flag. That's time to pause. It's not time to tell me more. It's not time to in, you know, jump in with them. It's a pause. It's a red light. It's wait, whoa, whoa, wait a minute. Notice verse 29 of chapter 4 of Ephesians. It says, Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification. Or another way of saying that is, let, no, no, let nothing bad come out of your mouth, only what's going to help build people up, that it may impart grace to the hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness 
and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Listen to it from the message paraphrase. Watch the way you talk. Let nothing foul or dirty come out of your mouth. Say only what helps each word a gift. Don't grieve God. Don't break his heart. His Holy Spirit moving and breathing in you is the most intimate part of your life, making you fit for himself. Don't take such a gift for granted. It's one thing, church, to talk like that. It's another to listen. Both should stop so that people aren't pushed into a corner. In verse 19, remember back in 2 Corinthians, he says, you guys are putting up with fools gladly. You're putting up with this. You're approving of it. You're participating in it. You're receiving it. Ultimately, in the end result is that you listen to it enough, you'll believe it. And that's exactly where Paul is. He goes, I can't, this is just foolish. This is foolish. The bondage he mentions is probably legalism, a strict legalism. They had the ears of the Corinthians, and through legalism, they were lording over and taking advantage and hurting the church. It was very harsh, even to the point where there was, it was being put up by even the spiritual leaders of the church. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 23, it says, To avoid foolish and ignorant disputes, knowing that they generate strife, and a servant of the Lord must be gentle, and must not quarrel, but be gentle to all, able to teach, patient, in humility, correcting those who are in opposition, if God will perhaps grant them repentance. Paul says, You put up with those that are putting you in bondage. You yourselves are being devoured. Things are being taken from you. People are exalting themselves by putting you down. They're even hitting you, literally. They're even hitting you. It's shameful. In verse 21, he says, it's shameful to our shame. I say that we were too weak for that. Paul's saying, I did the exact opposite. I demonstrated to you exactly the pathway of Jesus, servanthood. You know, I I know that some of you, this is a tough passage. Just reading through it, some of you, it's hit you, it's pricked you, because you've come from authoritarian type of churches with authoritarian type of leadership. You know, in the day, we don't hear too much about it, but there's still remnant of this, what was called the shepherding movement. And it was a very controlling leadership structure where every single person had a shepherd. And there was a hierarchy under the pastor who was, they were considered the chief shepherd, although may, they may even go up and say, well, no, Jesus is the chief shepherd, and then the pastor's the boss. And then the pastor goes down in like a, a pyramid, and so they're shepherd over shepherd. And, and it was very, very strict. And some of the remnants are still with us today, where it was so strict that you, in some circles, you'd have to ask your shepherd, your shepherder, or whatever they called it, what you could wear that day. Ladies would have to ask if they could wear makeup, uh, if they could answer phones, if they could, they would even put people together and arrange marriages. It was very controlling. Now, you may not have been in something that controlling, but it's there and it's being, it's happening and it's taking place. In other places, it's just some of these things like, like, yeah, I've been devoured. You know, I gave my money. I gave all my money because they promised me such and such and, and I've, I've just been devoured. I've got to start over. And it's not because you're in debt and it's not because you've been living frivolously. It's because some church took advantage of your desire to worship God. And because of that sincere desire, they took advantage of your possessions. 
And I know that that's a hard thing for you to think back on the so-called spiritual leaders you submitted yourself to. I just want you to know that as you gave and as you served and even as you submitted, even if it was a wrong structure, as you gave, as you served, as you submitted, you did it as unto the Lord. And you don't want to go back into those. You don't need, I say that in this way. You don't need to be, you know, don't, don't regret your desire to follow the Lord. Just make sure you're not in an authoritarian place again. Make sure you're in a place where they encourage the grace and the love and the mercy and the freedom that you have in serving the Lord. Where it's a move of God upon your heart, not some pressure of man. You don't want, and those, for the sake of those of you listening on the radio, you don't want to be in a church that is marked by bondage, being devoured, people taking from you, exalting themselves by putting you down, and even striking you on the face and slapping you down. You want to be very careful. This one verse, as you see in verse 21, to our shame, I say that we were too weak for that. But in whatever anyone is bold, I'm speak foolishly, I'm bold also. There's freedom. It's shameful and foolish that under the name of Jesus, people are being taken advantage of. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, in verse 45, that he came, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life ransom for many. And so if you kind of look at that structure and you, you sort of look and maybe you wonder, well, you know, Ed, what's the authority structure here at Calvary? You know, maybe your pastor up here and all the assistant pastors. If you were to put a, you know, a traditional organizational chart, which sort of looks like a, a pyramid, and you would put, fill all the boxes. Well, up on top is the pastor or the, the leader and then the assistant pastors and the leaders. Fill it all that way. It'd be perfectly okay to fill it out that way, except don't use it like that. Turn it upside down and put the leaders and the, and the pastors at the bottom not the top as the chief servants the the bible says the bible says that the way up is down that if you want to be greatest among then be the servant of all and so if you look at a kind of that kind of structure where there is no really the, there is no organizational chart here it's kind of a flat line there's different responsibilities we all have different responsibilities and we we have different accountabilities but the reality is is that we're just a straight line and jesus is the head and we all look to him. And in one way or another, we're organized. And, and as there's leadership structures and there's different levels of responsibility, it's never, ever, ever to take advantage of the people, to lord it over the people. These are exactly, exactly the opposite of what Jesus taught and of what the apostles taught. So you can see Paul's like, man, this is, I can't even believe, it's almost like he's saying, I can't even believe I have to do this. But he does now as he foolishly starts to talk about his life. He says, you guys, they're bragging about it. Now notice what he does in verse 22. Are they Hebrews? So am I. Are they Israelites? So am I. Are they the seed of Abraham? So am I. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I've been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters, in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, Verse 27, in weariness and toil, sleeplessness often, hunger and thirst, fastings often, cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for all the churches. 
So if you were to put together a spiritual resume, what would be on your resume? Now, if you were putting together a regular resume, you know what's on your resume. You kind of, you try to find every good thing you have ever done in any job you've ever had. Resumes don't go, hey, I got fired here. Yeah, I got busted here. I was lazy. I was in a lazy season of my life. And they just, I walked into the, and my, my, my desk was gone. <laughs> like, what happened to my desk? There was just a note that said, you're fired. I mean, there, I, I was, uh, I, I hired for many, many years. I never got a resume like that ever. It was always, man, I, I started here and rose to the top. Started here, rose to the top, found something better. When we fill out resumes, we're going to put our best foot forward. Nothing wrong with that. And you're attempting to secure a new position, a new job. You're going to share and try to put on your best. Now, what would a spiritual resume look like? I think in many ways we'd probably want to do the same thing. I remember many, many years ago when I was, they used to put out this list. Uh, and they, they called it the pastor wanted list among Calvary Chapel. And I felt a big call, a strong call in my life early on in the ministry to pastor a church. And so what, I didn't think, I didn't sense very early on that I was going to plant a church, but I felt that the Lord wanted me to pastor a church. So uh, the pastors at the church I was from would give me this list from time to time. I'd go through and look at the various things in the areas. And, and, and then one of the things that required is I needed to put a spiritual resume together. I needed to introduce myself similar to the resumes that I would put together for the world, but I needed to put it together of what my experience was uh, in the church world, where I've taught, what, what education I might have, and, and all of those types of things. And let me say, it was a very embarrassing thing to do. Because they look at it, it's like, man, I mean, that, that, how could you not hire this guy? You know, he's taught here, and he's overseen this. And, and I had things I, I have to look at. I, I couldn't find it. Uh, it's buried somewhere in all the boxes in our basement. But I, I remember, like, saying, well, um, you know, I, took a, I started a, a Bible study, and I had one person, and then it grew to 20. So that, what is that, like 2,000% growth? That's 2,000% growth, Bible teacher, yes. <laughs> and you start writing through, and well, I oversaw this, and I saw, and, and you, they required it. But as you're writing it out, it feels like you're bragging. And maybe in some cases, if you're dealing with pride, that is an opportunity to brag. But if you were to fill out your, that, that would be, now for me, that spiritual resume in the beginning was, was a lot of good things because I was only a few years old in the Lord. If I'm filling out my spiritual resume today, it would be very different. There would be a lot of pain and a lot of agony on that spiritual resume. Yeah, I learned this lesson because I really messed up there. And I learned this lesson because I really, oh, and yeah, you know, that was a tough year. And oh, we had these trials. And oh, you know, and you would even have a hard time writing that on your spiritual resume. Oh, you learn, well, you know, what am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to put my best foot forward? Am I supposed to say what a failure I am? And you're like, oh. And Paul's just like, look, listen to them. They, they claim to be this, so am I. They claim to be this, so am I. They claim to have all this experience. Let me walk you down the path of my life, he says. This would be considered Paul's spiritual resume. And if this resume was turned in for the position, if it was a typical hiring process in a typical church, and you get this resume, you'd probably pass on Paul the Apostle. You go, we don't need a guy that is in trouble and messed up all the time. Today, what you're looking for, if you go to wannapastor.com or whatever those websites are, you know, the, the job websites where pastors go and they look for a job, you, you would see things. We're looking for a dynamic leader. We're looking for a, a person that, has, that can capture an audience. If you're going to pastor this church, you have to have an experience of, of pastoring thousands. 
And when you have those kind of limitations, you miss out, perhaps, on the choice of God for your congregation. I, I think of, we're going to be there not too long from now on, a, on Wednesdays when we get to 1 Samuel. I, I think of when Samuel came to Jesse's house looking for the king. I mean, immediately you could tell Samuel was very impressed by the oldest son. This has got to be the guy. This is it. This is the one. Samuel said, I don't need to see any of the other kids. This is the guy. He's the one. He's the oldest. He's the one that he looks the best. And God speaks to him directly. He says, I've refused him. Because man looks on the outward, but I look on the heart. And it was that ruddy kid that was out in the field. He was the choice of God. Not perhaps the choice of man, but he was the choice of God. And his spiritual resume was, I'm a kid, I don't know anything, and I take care of sheep. I do what my dad tells me to do. That's about all he could do. He said, well, I don't know, you don't have a lot of experience. Oh, no, no, believe me. The anointing comes, and then the experience follows. Because David's going to get the experience that he needs. But even as a young age, he was a, already, you could see from those things, well, what, you just do what your dad tells you to do, so you know how to obey. What, you just go out and take care of the sheep? Yeah, you know how to faithfully oversee what God has given you, what your dad has given I mean, there's a lot of characteristics just in those simple things. But if we're not careful, if we're not careful, we'll let a spiritual resume like this pass by and go, I don't know, I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think that's, that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for a guy that trouble follows all the time. We're not looking for a guy that has to write these letters to defend himself. You're listening to Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. If you joined us late or would like to hear this message again, turn to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Or you can listen through our app, too. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. If you take a brief moment to write or call, that would make our day. Let us know the station you're listening to and if today's study was a blessing to your life. We'd also love to pray for you. You can email us through our new website at AboundingGraceRadio.com by clicking on Contact. Abounding Grace is made possible through the support of our listeners. And when you give a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace, you're invited to request a copy of The Third Option by Miles McPherson. In it, Pastor Miles speaks out about the racial divisions in today's world and encourages us to see people as God sees them. It contains awesome practical takeaways and exercises to help you understand the points of views of others. I think you'll also be inspired and encouraged to make positive changes in our country, starting with yourself. Again, ask for a copy of The Third Option when you call today at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-30-GRACE. Your generosity helps us provide the teaching of God's Word on stations all across the nation. We're constantly hearing from listeners that have been helped and are growing by God's abounding grace. Thank you for standing with us. Making a donation to the ministry is easier than ever, as you can now do so through our website at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Pastor Ed, as we look ahead to the weekend and the services we have planned here at Calvary Church in Aurora, would you take a moment to invite our listeners in the area to come on out? I'd love to send out an invitation, Larry, to those that are listening to Abounding Grace here in the Denver metro area. Come on out to Calvary Church this weekend. I am personally inviting you, Saturday night, 6 p.m., 
Sunday morning, 845 and 1045, as we study together the book of Hebrews, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. What a dynamic study Hebrews has been for us. I don't know if you've ever studied the Bible verse by verse, but I believe that's what God intends. He intends for us as pastors to teach the whole counsel of God, and we're committed here to teach you the whole Bible, from Genesis to Revelation. We happen to be in Hebrews. We gather together with passionate worship. We come together to encourage one another, to study the Word of God. Our cafe area downstairs is, is complete. I mean, it's almost complete, but it's, it's open now. We got our new Resurrection Coffee is open, uh, the best coffee this side of town. Uh, we, we have our, uh, a time where uh, we get to share together in fellowship. So come on out. Calvary Church is here on Hampton, one block east of Tower Road. We're right next to the Safeway, right across the street from the movie tavern, I think is what it's called, and we'd love to have you. 6 p.m. Saturday night, 8.45, 10.45 Sunday morning. They're all the same service, uh, and may the Lord bless you. We'd love to have you here. What a privilege to serve you, both on Abounding Grace, but also here locally in town. It's not a far drive from anywhere in town, so come on out. We'd love to see you this weekend, and you can get more information or watch our services live when you go online to calvaryco.church. Tell a friend about these daily studies, and then be sure to join Pastor Ed Taylor next time for more teaching from 2 Corinthians. That's right here on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.